it's Wednesday, October the 14th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, subsidies for plane makers and donations for the WFP. First, the world in brief. The World Trade Organization gave the European Union permission to impose tariffs on American exports worth $4 billion in retaliation for illegal subsidies given to Boeing. The American plane maker and its European arch-rival Airbus have fought for 16 years over the subsidies each receives. Last year, the WTO gave America permission to impose $7.5 billion worth of tariffs on European imports in retaliation for state aid for Airbus. The United Nations World Food Programme said it would need to raise $6.8 billion to avert impending famine caused by the coronavirus crisis. So far, the WFP, which last week won the Nobel Peace Prize, has raised $1.6 billion. The programme helps feed 97 million people in around 90 countries and has dispatched medical cargo to more than 120 countries during the pandemic. Jarosław Kaczynski, Poland's Deputy Prime Minister and the head of its ruling Law and Justice Party, threatened to veto an EU recovery package worth 1.8 trillion euros, 2.1 trillion dollars, if it is linked to respect for the rule of law. The funding is designed to provide COVID-19 relief. The party has been criticised for failing to ensure democratic standards and its anti-LGBT rhetoric. Cyprus suspended its Golden Passport scheme, under which a €2 million, Euro, $2.3 million investment in the country secures a passport, and thereby the right to live in any EU country. The decision came after Cypriot officials were filmed arranging a passport for a fictional Chinese businessman with a criminal record. The scheme has been criticised for abuse by dodgy characters. America's Supreme Court allowed the Trump administration to pause the country's decennial census, in effect bringing it to a premature end. The government said it must finish the population counting early to meet a statutory deadline. Opponents argued that accuracy is paramount as political and budgetary allocations ride on the results. Meantime, Amy Coney Barrett, a judge rushed through confirmation hearings in the Senate to join the Supreme Court, vowed not to become the president's pawn while refusing to divulge her views on abortion, electoral law or healthcare. Eli Lilly put a temporary halt to tests of a treatment for COVID-19, just a day after Johnson & Johnson suspended trials of its vaccine. Lilly cited a potential safety concern with this antibody therapy, which Donald Trump has flattered as a cure. Reuters reported that federal drug inspectors have uncovered serious quality control problems at one of Lilly's manufacturing plants. The International Energy Agency predicted in a new report that renewable energy sources would replace coal as the world's leading means of producing electricity by 2025. Solar power in particular is expected to boom by 12% a year, as technologies mature and prices fall. Solar photovoltaic and wind together could account for 30% of all generation by 2030. And correction. Yesterday's edition of Espresso stated that the Riksbank awards the Nobel Prize for Economic Sciences. It is in fact Sweden's Royal Academy of Science. The Riksbank helped establish the prize. Sorry. And now, here's today's agenda. Banking on Chaos Wall Street reports earnings Three of America's largest banks, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs and Wells Fargo, report third-quarter earnings today. 
Their competitors, JP Morgan Chase and Citigroup, did so yesterday. As the pandemic hit, commercial bankers fearing defaults wrote down the value of loans and forecast lower future revenues due to decreasing interest rates. But volatile markets created opportunities that caused investment banking profits to soar, as did a boom in tech IPOs. JP Morgan did not write down the value of its loans further. Citigroup did so only slightly. The banks reporting today have differing exposures to these factors. Goldman Sachs, with its big investment arm and small commercial bank, is expected to report increased profits, while earnings at Wells Fargo, which has the opposite business model, are forecast to fall by 50% year-on-year. Bank of America, which is big in both, is somewhere in the middle. Its profits are expected to dip by around 10% year-on-year. Light Relief Finance Ministers Discuss Help for Poor Countries Today, G20 finance ministers will meet virtually to discuss debt relief. Six months ago, they agreed to pause debt service payments from up to 73 of the world's poorest countries until December in response to the pandemic. Today, they decide whether to extend that pause. David Malpass, the World Bank's president, made the case for doing so, arguing that budget deficits and debt payments are overwhelming developing economies. The case against is that more unconditional support merely postpones problems. The $5 billion of payments postponed this year for the 44 countries that signed up is dwarfed by the more than $22 billion originally due from these countries between May and December. The risk is that countries with unsustainable debts will use the hiatus simply to pay off other creditors. G20 governments want to help the needy, not Chinese lending agencies or private sector bondholders. Big Decision Israel's cabinet debates ending lockdown. The Israeli cabinet began a series of meetings yesterday to try to decide how the country will emerge from the nationwide lockdown which began on September 18th. This is Israel's second go at it. A previous lockdown, which the government started easing in May, failed to curb a sharp rise in COVID-19 infections. Israel has recently had one of the highest daily rates of new infections in the world relative to population. But numbers have fallen over the past week, and the cabinet is expected to decide by Thursday to gradually reopen non-customer-facing small businesses. Schools are expected to follow next week, starting with kindergartens. The timing is controversial. On October 12th, Israel had 3,538 new cases, half the number of two weeks ago, but short of the original target for easing lockdown of under 2,000. Most cabinet ministers favour easing restrictions, but Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister, would rather wait. Counting its chips ASML reports The global economy depends on numerous companies that most people have never heard of. ASML, a Dutch firm that makes machine tools for semiconductor factories, is a good example. It will report its results today. The firm is the world's sole supplier of the ultra-high-tech lithography equipment necessary to fabricate cutting-edge chips. That monopoly has given it a market capitalization higher than better-known industrial giants like Volkswagen or Airbus on the back of revenues that have more than tripled in the past decade. Investors seem to be expecting more good news. The firm's share price has risen strongly this year, but it is no risk-free bet. The chip industry is notoriously cyclical and ASML's monopoly position leaves it exposed to global geopolitics. 
American pressure has already prevented the sale of one of its bus-sized lithography machines to China, and the tech war shows little sign of cooling. Progression v Procession Thailand's Protests Thai protesters have a bold plan to show their discontent with the establishment today. Surround the Prime Minister's office. The demonstration will be the latest in an audacious series which began in July, demanding constitutional change and a new government. More shockingly, protesters are speaking out against the monarchy, which is taboo in Thailand, and calling for royal reforms. They seek to curb the king's interference in politics, disband its guards, and revoke Thailand's Less Majesté law, which permits sentences of up to 15 years in prison for those found guilty of criticising senior royals. Unusually, King Mahavajiralongkorn will be in the country during the protests. Though he spends most of his time in Germany, he is in Bangkok today, and his royal motorcade is scheduled to drive near the demonstration on its way to an event close by. The nature of protesters' complaints and their immediacy means he can hardly dismiss the spectacle as just an eyesore. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Hannah Arendt, who was born on this day in 1906. Political questions are far too serious to be left to the politicians. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.